Welcome to the Tuesday Night IBS Podcast, hosted by Johanna Ruddy. The podcast connects patients and providers with information and education about the diagnosis and treatment of IBS and related diagnosis. Each month, we feature a new episode with guest experts in the field of motility and neurogastroenterology who share the latest science and data for diagnosing and treating these conditions, as well as conversations about their impact on a patient's quality of life. Just a reminder, the information provided in this podcast is for informational and educational use only and should never be substituted for medical advice. Always work with your doctor to diagnose and treat your IBS symptoms effectively. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our um, first episode of our second season of Tuesday Night IBS, the podcast. Can't believe we have already gone through an entire year with 14 episodes in 2022. And here we are with our first one in 2023. And so pleased to be here with all of you. Uh, this month, if you um, got caught on to our, our webinar last week, we were addressing IBS management, um, medical management, dietary management, as well as behavioral management, specifically focused on the use of gut-directed hypnotherapy and um, the expanded access for patients for this treatment through the digital therapeutic app uh, called Regulora. And so um, I'm joined today by two experts in this area, um, Tim Rudolphy, who is the CEO of Metami Health, the parent company um, of Regulora, and also Dr. Sarah Kinsinger, who is a GI um, psychologist and um, specializes in gut-directed hypnotherapy with her patients who have digestive conditions. And she was one of our faculty members on our webinar last week, and she gave us a really great overview of how gut-directed hypnotherapy can work. So hello to both of you. Thanks for being here. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to be here. Thanks. Great. Well, I'm excited to talk with you both a little more about this uh, therapeutic. Um, I think first, I'd like to start with Tim. Um the thing that I like the most, frankly, um, as a patient with IBS, but also as an advocate and educator is that your you went through uh, a full study, clinical study to validate the efficacy of this therapeutic in an, a digital format. And then you went to the FDA and you got the FDA to, to clear this right. Mm -hmm. Um, as a therapy for patients. And I, I know that that probably means more to those of us in the audience who work in this uh, space than maybe patients, but why should that be important for patients in terms of efficacy and, and the work that you did behind the scenes in that regard? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, and it was, it's critically important to us, you know, from the, the start, um, we, we made a strategic decision that, that all of our work would be uh, based in in clinical science and and FDA regulated uh, products. My background is in pharmaceuticals, um, so I've I've had thirty plus years of of bringing drugs to market that have you know just naturally I think people understand that need to go through clinical trials and and um, and through FDA regulation. 
But but it, it's important here with with digital therapeutics, digital health as well. And and the reason is is really twofold. On the one side, specific to the IBS patient, as as you very well know, um, IBS symptoms can can oftentimes mimic those of of other GI conditions, arguably more serious conditions. Um, and and as a company in this space. It was important to us that the patients who use our product have seen a physician, have confirmed a diagnosis, and and worked with their healthcare provider to choose the right therapy for them. Um, Because what could happen otherwise is somebody might believe they have IBS, they try this product, um, and it delays their eventual diagnosis of what could, again, be a more serious condition, right? And, and we didn't want to have any part of, of that. We want to be a part of the solution, the healthcare solution in total. The other aspect of why it's important for a, pa- uh, a patient that, that they consider prescription-based products is that, that we're regulated completely, not only from proving the, the efficacy and the safety of the product, but the ongoing continuity of the product. And what I mean by that is we've designed this product inclusive of cybersecurity and privacy regulations that the FDA signs off on, right? We cannot change that at all without having to go back to the FDA um, and restudy and retest and, and get clearance again for the second time. So you know from the day we launched it to well into the future, you're getting a safe, regulated product um, from a science perspective, but again, from a cybersecurity perspective. Other applications that aren't FDA regulated can make changes whenever they want. And I'm not saying that they necessarily do do that, but they can. They can make a change to the messages that they deliver, the content that's included. They can make changes to the privacy and cybersecurity components, and you'll never know. Um, you won't know what version you're getting. Um, it's it's really like taking a prescription drug versus a black market drug, if you would, to some extent. I, that's maybe a little extreme, um, but but that's the comparison here. And that's the reason why we're in the prescription digital therapeutics business. Yeah, I think that's a really important point that you make um, because, you know, in reality, these treatments um, are are not benign completely. Um, and I think it's important that patients recognize that these are validated treatments for the management of abdominal pain and, and other symptoms of IBS and, and to use them without oversight and safety considerations is, is like you said, using a drug that hasn't been, been validated, um, and has no safety record. So I think that's a very excellent point to make. Um, you know, we talked a little bit on the webinar about how even diet therapy is not a benign therapy. You know, a lot of patients think, Oh, I'll just, I'll just look at diet and I'll just restrict diet or I'll just, uh, take an over the counter nutrient I buy online or something. And I think a lot of that, you know, it is potentially damaging. So you really have to be careful from a patient perspective and do your homework. And I I like that you made that point. Um, Tim, why did the company decide first to to look at IBS and and target that as as a a disease state to to really focus on with therapies? Yeah. um, Simple answer. Our our founder, uh, our founder, Danny Bernstein, is, um, is a patient himself. 
he's an entrepreneur uh, on the business side, but a patient um, as it relates to both IBS and IBD, inflammatory bowel disease. He's been treated at Northwestern, I think almost his whole life, um, 40 some odd years now in terms of being being treated there. And it's it's um, via his, his, uh, his treatment there at Northwestern that he learned about behavioral treatments for conditions like IBS. And from there, his mind kind of got to working that, well, okay, although I have access to this therapy because I live in the city, I live close to Northwestern, there's the vast majority of, of, of patients like me, speaking for Danny, across the United States don't have access to this. Um, and then as as technology continues to advance along about 2016, 17, he got the idea that, well, wait a minute, we, we could maybe create a digital application here that delivers these these behavioral therapies, gut-directed hypnotherapy specifically, uh, so that patients had broader access to this. Um, and that's Danny and I got to know each other in 2017, 18. Um, and when I saw the idea, I, I thought it was brilliant um, and immediately jumped on board. And, and that's what's uh, that's what got us started. Yeah, I like that. I like, you know, obviously as a patient, it's kind of nice to know that um, that another patient with personal experience is, you know, the driving force behind something like this. It kind of makes you go, yeah, we're all in this together, right? Like that, that's kind of nice. as opposed to someone who has no experience with this disease at all. Yeah. Um, Interestingly enough, we're still a small company, right? Sure. But about half of us have GI, IBS or IBD. So yeah, it's not just getting, it's, it's a number. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. So um, what's on the horizon, you know, Regulora um, available now by prescription um, patients can access it um, even through a primary care physician and not just a gastroenterologist um, after, like you said, after a good um, evaluation, Uh, what other uh, things are on the horizon, other possible disease state therapies? Absolutely. We, um, you know, we're a, a, a prescription digital therapeutics manufacturer specializing in gastroenterology, right? GI conditions. We actually now have four other protocols, other products in our pipeline um, for other GI conditions that we're working on. We're very, very excited about um, everything from functional dyspepsia, functional GERD, um, inflammatory bowel disease, uh, as well as bloating. Uh, so all all of these are in our pipeline um, at various stages of of development. It'll it takes time, as you kind of the initial question you asked here uh, to run large pivotal trials will probably take us a year to two years for each of those. Another six months at the FDA. So, but but within another two two and a half years, we could have three four different prescription digital therapeutic products on the market for distinct uh, GI conditions. That's really awesome. We know so many patients with IBS do have overlap of other conditions, both uh, um, IBD or other DGBI. So uh, this is exciting to hear about. Um, Sarah, Dr. Kinsinger, uh, thanks for joining us again um, on the podcast. You were one of our faculty presenters on the webinar and um, your presentation was so great. It was so thorough to give the background of brain gut behavioral therapies in general, and then gut directed hypnotherapy uh, more specifically. Um, 
Would you mind just reminding us how long hypnotherapy has been around in terms of its use as a medical therapy? Um, and then when it was first applied to IBS? Sure. And thanks again for, for having me and for the opportunity to, you know, delve a little deeper into this discussion around gut-directed hypnosis. It's something I'm really passionate about because I think there's huge benefits to, to many patients out there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, honestly, talking about hypnosis being used for medical purposes, I mean, this goes back to the 1800s. There, there's documentation of surgeons in Europe using this to help patients survive surgical procedures. Um, but in terms of like more recent, you know, research on medical hypnosis and its application to GI disorders, um, that goes back to like the 1980s. Some of the first research was done. It came out of, uh, Dr. Peter Warwell's lab at the university of Manchester. Um, so I think that's important to communicate to patients and providers that this isn't a new approach, even if maybe they haven't learned of it before or don't uh, fully understand it. Um, it uh, has decades of research at this point being used specifically to treat IBS. Yeah, definitely. Um, we had a podcast episode in September where we talked with Dr. Oli Paulson, um, who's been obviously uh, intimately involved in uh, hypnosis for many, many years, a couple of decades, um, built his career around it. And the North Carolina protocol, if I'm not mistaken, is the one that is, is utilized most often in uh, gut-directed hypnotherapy for IBS. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So what Dr. Pulse, I mean, he's done such great work in this field and has been a mentor for many of us that are GI psychologists now. Um, one thing that I think was really brilliant in his work was creating the scripted protocol using mm. hypnosis for IBS. And so he yeah. really wanted something that could be standardized. And I think he had this vision early on that there's opportunity to disseminate this much more broadly. Um, and so he first did that through creating this scripted protocol, this, the University of North Carolina protocol um, that had, was tested in clinical trials at UNC um, and has been adopted by many clinicians. So many mental health providers and clinical practice use this, this protocol to treat patients with IBS. Um, and it's the foundation of, of Regulora as well. So, um, you know, again, you know, he had this vision of like, how do we more broadly disseminate this treatment um, so that it can reach more patients? Yeah, that's great. Uh, Tim, why did you, why did the company decide to go with the North Carolina protocol? Was there something that stood out about that as opposed to other protocols? Uh, absolutely. No doubt. Um, not to mention least of which is Dr. Paulson himself is, is yes. Dr. Kinsinger said, he's just a fantastic leader in this field. And, and for us to be able to be partnered with him, um, and utilizing his protocol was, was important, but as, as, as mentioned here, it's really, you know, one of the, the leading protocols and, and most widely used protocols out there. Um, and, and being scripted, um, made it made it much easier for us, you know, to build into a digital therapeutic. You know, today's technology, there are all kinds of AI that we could use to do all kinds of different um, uh, things. But but this just makes it very simple, easy, consistent, not only for the the build of the product, but for the utilization from the patient's perspective as well. 
And can I just jump in and add to that to say something really, I think, helpful about his protocol is that it's subtype agnostic. So, you know, patients can have diarrhea predominant, they can have constipation predominant, they can have this flu- these fluctuating bowel habits with IBS. Um, and so, and so sometimes in clinical practice, we'll kind of, you know, customize our hypnosis suggestions to match those symptoms. But with his standardized protocol, he designed it in a way that it would be effective for any of those subtypes. And that's what he's shown in, in his research as well. And so I think that also lends itself really nicely for this kind of, you know, more standardized uh, delivery method. Um, yeah. It's almost like he was uh, forecasting the future when he was developing this. It's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah, for people who are not familiar with what, uh, let's say, health hypnosis or hypnotherapy is, can you kind of give us a, an overview of, of what that involves? You know, I have talked about it with some patients that I consult with, and many of them have a very um, skewed image of what we would see, like, um, at a circus or on a movie, um, where they end up, you know, walking around clucking as a chicken or have no control over their thoughts and body. And, and it's not that at all. So I, I, I'd like for you to just maybe summarize what it involves and, and, and how it works. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is unfortunate that, like I said, even though we've had decades of research now, <laughs> the vast majority of people have this misperception about what hypnotherapy is. Um, and there's a lot of fear around it as well, yeah. you know, um, because of, you know, stage hypnosis shows being used for entertainment purposes. Um, people don't want to be made to do silly things, um, right. but in used in clinical practice, it's very, very different. Um, so medical hypnosis, you know, traditionally is delivered by a licensed medical professional. So it could be a mental health professional, could be a physician, a dentist, a nurse. Um, And with hypnosis, we're encouraging the patient to um, enter into what we call a a different mental state, which is referred to as this trance-like state. And so it's this verbally guided intervention where um, we're encouraging the patient to sort of gain control in this special way to use their mind to enter into this very highly concentrated state, this trance-like state. Um, And then the clinician will then introduce suggestions to facilitate certain changes in thoughts, emotions, or behaviors that are going to have a beneficial effect on the patient. Um, and these are referred to as post-hypnotic suggestions. And so um, it uses images and metaphors and messages about these lasting changes we want to take place, um, even when the patient's not in this active state of hypnosis. Um, And so sometimes I think of it as, you know, this is something the clinician or, you know, an app-based treatment, um, it's kind of coaching or guiding the patient and entering the state and introducing these suggestions towards change. But the patient is is creating the changes. You know, they're very much in control of the process. Um, You know, we think of all hypnosis as self-hypnosis. So it's not something being done to them. It's something they're learning to do. They're learning to harness their mind in this really kind of powerful way. Um, The reason why hypnosis, you know, is kind of different from meditation, different from guided relaxation is really about those therapeutic suggestions. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we can get our minds into this trance-like state, 
what happens is that bypasses are really critical and analytical kind of problem solving mind we often use day to day. And so when we bypass that type of thinking, our mind becomes more open to suggestion. And so that's really what we're doing with hypnotherapy is we're trying to really open up that receptiveness and then introduce these suggestions, these metaphors, images about changes we want um, that individual to experience in a more lasting way. That's really interesting. Can you give us an example of some of these suggestions? Let's say uh, I'm a patient uh, with with abdominal pain, you know, pretty severe abdominal pain. I'm guessing your suggestions for that would be different than a patient who was really just chief complaint of constipation, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, so could you maybe give us some examples of, of how those would vary? Sure. So with when we're targeting pain, um, you know, we're really focusing on reducing that hypersensitivity in the gut. That's one of the kind of key mechanisms with IBS. There's this visceral hypersensitivity, this overreaction of the nerves in the gut causing those, those symptoms to be experienced more strongly. So the suggestions to target pain or discomfort in the gut really focus on things like warmth, um, whether it's, you know, someone imagining they're lying on the beach and they're feeling that warmth of the sun, and maybe they imagine that warmth gets absorbed into their abdomen and that warmth will stay with them. It will create the sense of comfort and well-being in their gut. Um, and in terms of the post-hypnotic suggestions, I'll say things about how that warmth will be with them in the coming days and weeks, you know, situations or things that normally would trigger some gut upset will no longer have that effect because they'll be protected by the soothing warmth they're carrying inside of them. Um, I use a lot of images of light. So maybe like a healing light traveling through the gut and that reduces sensations of discomfort um, in terms of more kind of the motility piece, you know, someone with, you know, constipation, um, we may use metaphors related to, um, something related to movement. <laughs> so whether it's maybe a river, you know, visualizing the colon, like a river and they can use right. the mind to adjust the pace of the, the river, adjust the pace of, of that movement. Um, and we focus a lot on the body being able to adopt, you know, healthy rhythmic movements in the bowels so that things are happening in this more regulated fashion. Mm. Um, I may say, you know, there's no holdups, nothing's getting backed up here, just healthy, normal rhythmic bowel functioning. That's fascinating. Um, in terms of um, durability, what are, what are you finding in patients who finish? Is it a 12-week cycle that's recommended through Regulora, Tim? It is a 12-week cycle for Regulora. Seven therapy sessions are delivered once every other week for for a 12-week period of time. Individual um, therapy face-to-face, I'm sure, uh, Dr. Kinzinger, that that probably varies as to how how things yeah, I mean, typically it's 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 very similar. We recommend anywhere between seven to twelve sessions, depending on the protocol we're using. Um, I mean, it is meant to be a more a more short term um, treatment approach. Um, 
And in terms of durability, you know, we have really good data on that um, from clinical trials. It's yeah. really nice to see that when patients do have symptomatic improvement after the 12 week course of treatment, they typically maintain those improvements up to 12, 18 months later. Um, and that's what I see in my, in my clinical practice as well is, you know, when people have improvements and they're feeling better, um, I always tell them you're welcome to come back and see me and I'm here for you if you need a little tune up in the future and occasionally they'll pop in, but, um, oftentimes, you know, when they've learned these skills and they know how to utilize them on their own, uh, they don't necessarily need that follow-up. Yeah, that's really those skills endure. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Joanna. Uh, I'll add to that, that we actually did a one-year follow-up from our clinical trial. Um, And and exactly as as Dr. Kinzinger said there, that that the majority of patients who saw relief at the end of the 12 weeks still were seeing relief 12 months later with having no interaction with the application whatsoever. That's, that's fantastic. That's really, really cool. Um, Dr. Kinsinger. Now we talked a little bit earlier about how none of these treatments are benign, right? And there's obviously considerations for who is a best candidate to use uh, a gut directed hypnotherapy, uh, therapy. So talk us through that. Who is, is contraindicated for this sort of treatment? Um, Yeah, I think this is an important discussion. I mean, luckily, in terms of safety profiles, psychological treatments are pretty safe as far as treatment (laughs) for a medical condition, which which is nice. You know, Um, sometimes I joke with patients, like the only side effects you get from hypnotherapy are you may sleep better and (laughs) migraines and um, lots of positive side effects. But you know, I do think we want to be thoughtful in terms of who we recommend this treatment for. Um, and, and I think this speaks to what, what Tim was describing early on around how, you know, this is prescribed by a healthcare provider who has evaluated the patient, had a conversation with the patient, understands what kind of treatment might be the best fit. Um, typically we recommend any brain gut behavior therapy, including gut-directed hypnotherapy for patients who are psychologically stable. Um, So meaning, you know, there may be some comorbid anxiety or depression related to their IBS, because we know that can be just part of the picture of living with this. Um, But for individuals that are really struggling psychologically in other ways, um, unrelated to their IBS, and they're not getting appropriate treatment for that, Um, Maybe they have OCD or an eating disorder or post-traumatic stress disorder, and they're not under the care of a psychiatrist or those um, psychological issues aren't stable. Typically, we want the medical provider to direct them towards that appropriate mental health care first. Um, And once those issues are stable, then we want to consider including a psychological treatment for, for their IBS. Um, you know, I think PTSD is one of the conditions we're most cautious about, um, with hypnosis and, um, it it doesn't mean that if someone has a history of post-traumatic stress disorder, they may not be eligible for something like hypnotherapy. Again, it just means it's good to have a conversation with a medical provider because if someone has active PTSD symptoms, um, a treatment like hypnosis can increase symptoms of dissociation 
And with that dissociative process, sometimes it can bring up um, mm-hmm. some trauma issues for patients. So um, if someone has a trauma history and it's been dealt with, it's stable, then hypnotherapy you know, still may be a really great option. Um, but if there's active symptoms of PTSD, we typically would go with a different treatment approach in those cases. Okay. A couple yeah. other considerations, I think, um, you know, just in terms of if we're, if we want to match the right patient with the right treatment for their IBS, you know, if we're, if we're recommending a psychological treatment and something like gut-directed hypnosis, I think it's important for clinicians to understand that, um, you know, patients need to buy into the approach. Mm-hmm. You know, they really need to have some openness to the idea that a, a mind-body treatment can help their gut. And the clinician may need, need to do a little education around that. Absolutely. Because yeah. maybe the patient's never heard that. So right. that could be kind of a collaborative you know, uh, conversation there. Um, and then also patients need to really understand that this is a, 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 you know, a self-management strategy. So they really need to be at a point where they're able to commit to, you know, participate, being an active participant in the treatment in this way. So whether it's, you know, meeting with a clinician every two weeks and doing their practice sessions in between, or finding a time that they commit to using the regular app and doing the practice sessions in between, you know, it really does need that level of adherence to have kind of the best outcomes for patients. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, and if any providers are listening and need some resources for that patient education piece, um, the Rome Foundation has a lot of great resources, absolutely free. You can download from the website, including the Brain Gut Access uh, Education Card, which is a really nice um, image to help explain the role of the brain and the gut and how uh behavioral therapies can influence the gut and and GI symptoms. So you can find that there. Um, I'm curious about access. We talked, Tim talked a little bit about that um, earlier uh, in terms of, you know, expanding access to, to these therapies for patients and Sarah, you know, for those of you that don't know, um, Dr. Kinsinger and Dr. Kiefer co-share the, uh, co-chair the gastro psych group within the Rome Foundation. And so I know a lot of your work is ex- trying to expand um, resources for patients by increasing education opportunities for health psychologists to start treating patients with digestive uh, conditions. But, you know, what do you see on the horizon in terms of um, accessibility for patients? Uh, I think, you know, sometimes I get a little bit um, depressed thinking about the <laughs> the need versus the access. Um, any thoughts on that from your end as a provider and a clinician? Yeah, so we've come a long ways, but we do have <laughs> more to do in this area. Um, you know, I started out in 2009 working as a psychologist in GI, and Dr. Kiefer had been in the field even before that. And, you know, I mean, at that time, there was like, we could count on two hands how many GI psychologists there were in the U.S. Um, and we just saw this great need to do further education to, um, to, 
you know, equip more clinicians to treat GI, GI patients. Um, and so that's why we created the, the gastrocyte division and the Lung Foundation has been a great supporter of us in those efforts. So, um, so we provide, you know, um, uh, continuing education training and workshops for mental health clinicians so that they can feel more confident in using CBT and hypnosis to treat conditions like IBS. Um, and we have a directory where clinicians who've gone through our trainings can list themselves. Um, so through that work, I mean, we have seen improvements. Um, you know, it's interesting now physicians um, you know, are familiar with GI psychologists and I think are, you know, often looking for someone in their community or they want to hire their own GI psychologist because this is kind of known to be a beneficial aspect of care. Um, but even with those efforts, I mean, there's whole states that don't have a GI psychologist in the U.S. <laughs> um, I know. Yeah. And, and let alone internationally, you know, how much, how much more we need to do. So, I mean, I think this is where, we have to kind of attack the problem from, from multiple angles. So it's exciting to see prescription digital therapeutics as one avenue um, and continuing to train clinicians and train um, GI providers also. And how do you work with a GI mental health provider? Or how do you know when to recommend a treatment like regular to your patient? You know, I think that's something we want to continue to, uh, to focus on because that's how we're going to get more patients you know, matched up with these really great treatment options. Yes, totally agree. Um, Tim, the big question that every patient is going to have is cost. How much is Regulora going to cost me? Um, you know, many of the drug therapies for IBS are scantily covered by insurance and out-of-pocket costs are very high for a lot of patients. And that's the number one question that I get. So talk a little bit about coverage and out-of-pocket costs. Well, it's a very important question. Um, and, and like the drugs, we're we're working with the insurance uh, companies as we speak to, uh, to ensure that we can get coverage so that their insurance provider does provide coverage for the product. That's not, that isn't the case today. Um, we're hopeful it will be tomorrow. In the interim, though, uh, we understand that. I mean, again, having come from that pharmaceutical background, um, I, I fully realize that that cost far too often impacts a patient's uh, ability to, to take therapy. So we've specifically des, um, set up Regulora uh, to cost the patient no more than $75. Um, as long as they have insurance, there are legal limitations as to what we can do. But if if they have insurance, um, then and and the insurance doesn't cover it, um, which would be the case today, then they will pay no more than seventy five dollars. That's fantastic. Therapy. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean that's just amazing because you think about you know the cost of even just supplements or some yes. other alternative therapy avenues that that patients take out of desperation to feel better. And, you know, that's, that's very affordable for an evidence-based treatment. Yeah, absolutely. For, for too long, access has been the issue, right? The, and the last thing we wanted to do was come to market with the solving a, a problem of access by just creating another problem of access. On, on right. We've eliminated that to the extent we can. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's really good news for patients. When I, I, I've actually, since I learned that I've been sharing that with some of the patients that I talk to on a regular basis and they're like, wait, what? Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I, 
how did they do that? I don't even care how they did it. That's great. <laughs> so that's, that's really great. Thank you for that. Um, Dr. Kinsinger, um, like recommendations to providers, gastroenterologists, primary care, APPs on, you know, gut directed hypnotherapy as, as an option for their patients, you know, any last clinical pearls for them? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, it's important to get comfortable talking about these concepts. And I think that the key things are, um, spending just a few minutes bringing up the role of stress, the role of the brain gut axis, um, you know, starting to have that conversation during clinic visits, um, is important. And like you said, we have some resources through the Rome Foundation that can help give give them some language. There's publications with really helpful guidelines on that. Um, but you know, that's the foundation for you know why you would be recommending a treatment like gut directed hypnotherapy is that you know our conceptualization conceptualization of IBS is that one key component is this brain gut dysregulation. So finding some ways to explain to the patient that there may be a co component of kind of miscommunication between these two organ systems that's causing them to feel things more strongly in their gut, causing their gut to be more reactive to stress. And hey, we've got some effective treatments for that. Um, and maybe they don't recommend it right off the bat, but if they start having that conversation um, early on in their evaluation and in their clinic visits with the patient, then maybe once they finish their clinical workup and they have a firm diagnosis of IBS and they're starting to talk to the patient around treatment options, then it makes sense when they bring up mm -hmm. something like gut-directed gut hypnotherapy as a recommendation. Um, yeah. they've sort of set the stage, given the rationale, um, and then the patient has, has options, you know, they can, they can provide this as an evidence-based treatment option alongside maybe some other things that they, they think could be helpful. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I, I also think, you know, gut or gut-directed hypnotherapy, as well as other behavioral health therapies should not be the last resort um, option for patients. They need to be right up there with the medical therapy and or the dietary therapy. I think many times when they are a last resort kind of option or, or recommendation, that, that kind of invalidates for patients, both the diagnosis and, and the therapy you're, you're recommending uh, and further drives this sense of stigmatization that, oh, well, if that's the last resort, then, and it's, you know, a, a behavioral health option, it must be all psychological. And that's certainly not the case. And, and I think by making that recommendation early on, and like you said, properly educating the patient around the rationale and the role of the brain in the, in the gut's symptoms and, and sensitivities, it, it makes more sense. And it kind of reduces that sense of stigmatization that many patients feel. So it's, yeah. that's a very good point. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think you're right that communicating it early communicates confidence in the treatment Yes, because you're right when it comes up, when everything else has failed, Right. You know, that the well, can... let's try hypnotherapy. Exactly. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Yeah. This is an evidence-based treatment and let's consider it right alongside some of these other, other treatment options. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, I have to believe, you know, a lot of that also comes just from the access issue that we discussed. 
Mm-hmm. That, look, I, I don't, as, as a physician, I might not have this top of mind, the first thing I want to use in a world where I can't use it. I have nobody to refer you to, to the first place. So it automatically becomes a last resort. But now with, with the growing numbers of, of GI psychologists, the opportunity to use prescription-based digital therapeutics that can deliver this, particularly as you'd mentioned, Dr. Kinzinger, with the safety, the general mm-hmm. safety profile of this, this type of therapy, it really should be considered upfront um, to, a, to a much greater degree than it has been historically. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, Dr. Kinsinger, for patients who are still on the fence, um, any any words of wisdom to help them just give it a try? You know, I hear from patients so often how much they enjoy the treatment. You know, that not only is it helpful, but they just really enjoy it. That it's something really nice to participate in. Um, you know, our primary goal is, is treating IBS and improving IBS symptom management, but, um, you know, it's, it's nice to take time for ourselves out of the middle of the day and and visualize really pleasant, calming images and learn to relax our body and manage stress in this new way. Um, I have a lot of patients that, you know, they, they've always wanted to try meditation or they dabbled in it and haven't gotten very far. And, um, and so they, they continue using the skills, not only for helping their IBS because it helps them in their life in other ways Mm. too. So, um, again, there's not a lot to be kind of not a lot of risk or, um, not a lot to be lost in terms of, um, giving this a try. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, I'd encourage people to kind of open their mind to it. And, and I think they would be pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Gosh, in this crazy world of high stress and high pressure, it sounds pretty inviting to take some few minutes to imagine yourself on a beach with warm waves and, and sunshine, right? So that sounds I think very it's, nice. It's something we can all benefit from. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Tim, I have to ask you a final question. Have you tried gut-directed hypnotherapy? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> no, and and it's it's funny. We hear this from patients all the time, um, and I had the same feeling after that first session. We so often hear, "Well, I don't know if this is going to help me or not, but I do feel better. I, I just, I, I, my emotions have just been lifted a little bit. Um, and, and I felt the exact same way. I, I don't know what long-term impact this will have, but that was a nice, relaxing 25, 30 minutes I just spent. Yeah. We heard from Jeffrey Roberts, uh, IBS patient on the webinar too, that he had, this was, you know, before Regular was available, had used, utilized uh, gut-directed hypnotherapy and, and felt it to be quite beneficial um, for his symptoms and even just for his general relaxation, like you both mentioned. So I think there's a lot to take away from from using it. So with that, we will call it a day. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Kinsinger and Tim. Appreciate your time today. If any of our listeners, both patients or providers have any questions about um, gut-directed hypnotherapy in general or about Regulora, shoot us an email. We'll be happy to get you those answers. And um, until next time, have a great rest of your day. We'll see you in February. Take good care, everyone. Bye now. 
Join us again next month for another episode of Tuesday Night IBS. And be sure to follow the conversation on our Twitter page at hashtag Tuesday Night IBS. We host live Twitter chats on the second Tuesday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with our monthly guests and encourage you to join in on the conversation. In addition, check out our page on Facebook at Tuesday Night IBS and find video presentations provided monthly by our guest experts to further guide our learning and conversation about these important topics. See you next month.